This morning, I want to f- just bring to a close the series that we've been looking at in Paul's prayer and the people of King Jesus in Colossae, in Col- in the, and it's in the book of Colossians. Uh, so if you've got your Bible, you may want to get it open to Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to read that together in a moment. But um, as we've been journeying through this book together or this particular prayer together, there's been a few things that we've looked at, and we'll, we'll recap on that in a minute. So, except for to say that this morning, I want us to have a look at a bit of a, a really key theme that is big in Paul and on his heart and he's always, when he's writing, you'll see it spill out of him time and time again as he's writing, is, is this whole reality that to be in a relationship with Jesus is to be living from this place of incredible thanksgiving and the power of that thanksgiving and into your daily life and circumstances. So uh, I'm going to see if I can get this. Yep, there we go. Um, so I've kind of just taken that word Thanksgiving and um, tried to lifestyle it. And so rather than Thanksgiving, we're going to kind of look at, and I think this is what Paul's really poking at, is the idea of that our Thanksgiving is actually a lifestyle. It's not just some kind of mental ascent or it's not just kind of a platitude it's a lifestyle of being in relationship with King Jesus and so we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning Um, but before we do that I just want to frame up this conversation today about a life of thanks living and touch on the issue of we live in a time in our world and our cultural moment where everyone is scrambling for qualification Everyone is investing time, energy, and resource to becoming qualified. Now, qualifications hits a number of areas of our lives. The first one is in our vocation, in our dreams of what we want to actually do with our life, in our workplaces, in our, even in our heart and in our mind as we're dreaming about how I actually want to spend my life with God for some greater good. And um, in our culture at the moment and in our world, we, ov- we obviously have this framework where to be qualified in any workplace or vocational setting, you, you have to do this journey of qualification before you can be qualified, before you are entrusted to be one who knows what they're doing. <coughs> And, um, um, and, and so everyone's scrambling to get qualified in vocational settings. There's also this really huge cultural pursuit to be qualified as acceptable socially. And so people are spending a whole bunch of time and pressure trying to project themselves to their immediate situation of relationships, employers, employees, family members, husbands to wives, wives to husbands, children, all sorts of contexts, we are constantly trying to pursue the idea of being socially acceptable and therefore qualified to be able to be loved or seen as worthy of love or seen as... Um, worth giving love toward. And so we, there's a whole bunch of our culture that right now is spending huge amounts of resource on the projection of 
Am I actually qualified in your eyes to receive from you love? And we go about spending a whole bunch of time painting that mirror to get qualified socially. We also spend a lot of time in our cultural moment right now pursuing relational acceptability. And we spend a lot of time and energy making sure that in the context of relationships, we are qualified as worthy of love. Now, when Paul writes to the people of King Jesus in Colossae, this is a small, fledgling group of Christians in what was once a bypass town. It was a town, it used to have a strong economy, it used to be a real jewel in the hub of the region, but now the economy had moved on and the businesses had moved on and all of the trade had moved on and it became known as a bit of a bypass town. You kind of look at it on the way past. You don't stop at it. It's not a destination town. And so when Paul speaks to these guys, there's this fledgling group of Jesus people who are now finding themselves filled with the Spirit of God and learning to live the life of the King in this cultural moment. Now, the qualification of their cultural moment was you had to worship and appease the then um, known gods, which were real. You had to you had to attribute to Caesar lordship. And yet now Jesus comes along, changes these people's lives, and Jesus now says, no, give, give lordship to me. But knowing that as they did that, they put themselves at risk, they put their families at risk, they put their provision at risk. And it's into this context where these people, having received this reality of Jesus into their life, are now trying to figure out what does it mean to live in that kind of a context and try to live for, a, for or from a place of qualification? Because you've got, to, you've got to remember, prior to Jesus invading these people's lives with good news and hope and restoration of God's love for their life, prior to that, they were going to visit the Baals with their next-door neighbour. They were going to worship at, with the Baals with their next-door neighbours. And then all of a sudden, they're not going to worship, they're not at worship of the Baals anymore. And, and the neighbours are now like, this can't be good for our street. Things are going to get upset. Spiritual dynamics are going to get really hectic because Mary Jo and Bobby Jean, they no longer are worshipping with us with the gods that we now know. And they are causing upset and turmoil because they're shifting their worship to another god. And that god, in fact, isn't Caesar. They're now giving their allegiance to one called Jesus who says he is the only way to God. And now, and now they were, you know, they were the odd ones out in their moment. Have you ever felt like that? as a follower of Jesus, where once you lived a certain way and you lived with certain practices and you chose a certain lifestyle, but then Jesus came along and said to you, would you let me be Lord of that area of your life? And you chose not to live the old way anymore because of his love for you and the new life that you're experiencing towards him. Have you ever made that journey? And then what happens is the people around you 
They frame you in a new way. They begin to perceive you like, what's that loser's problem? What's that loser's problem? They used to be the biggest party animal and now they're like this sane person. <laughs> what's that loser's problem? Or what's, what's the big deal with them choosing to take the small amount of resources that they have and no longer invest it in putting a veranda on the back, but they gave it to those, those poor people over there. What's that loser's problem? You gotta understand, this is, this is what happens when Jesus becomes Lord and the context around you doesn't understand that. And they start to perceive you in a certain way because you're now following a different life. You're now living not for social, vocational or relational qualification as the world does anymore. You're living for social, relational and vocational qualification because you've experienced this love from God who is making your life completely brand new. Completely brand new. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's kind of journeyed in those spaces when I've said yes to Jesus. I'm sure you've all got your own stories in that. But let's have a quick look here. So Colossae, you've got to understand, most people looked at it as a bypass town, and yet the kingdom of God said, I'm stopping here. No longer was the town that was seen as a bypass, don't give it the time of day, God is saying, hey, 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 the resources of my love and kingdom is for this very town. And with the inbreaking of Jesus, he is now the Lord. And now these people have come out from under the tyranny of these spiritual powers, of living under the gods and those spiritual powers, all those spiritual entities and authorities. Now these people of Jesus are living in this big story that's giving them purpose and meaning. And actually, it's the reason for their joy, even though their circumstances may not look joy-filled. It's the reason for their joy, even though their circumstances might not look joy-filled. Grab your Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. If you haven't got your Bible, you can see it there on the screen. Let's just read this together. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you, and we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit brings, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you would have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Just Again, just to remind ourselves that when the people of Jesus, the early Jesus people in Colossae, this is their mindset. This is their big story mindset that they live in. They live in a mindset that says God is good and he made heaven and earth and it was all made good. And they also lived with the understanding that creation was then decreated, death invaded it. 
sin and death came and brought a counterfeit kingdom to people. It brought a counterfeit kingdom to people. And as a result of that, sin and sickness and oppression came into the human experience and all of creation has been groaning ever since for the return of creation, for the return of the king. And then they also lived with this mindset of God is good, God has incarnated himself in Jesus Christ, somehow the fullness of God and the mystery of it all has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ, God has come and lived among us, God has come and taken on death, God has resurrected, and God is now ruling. And so they lived with this understanding that the good God who made creation and all things good, that was invaded by a counterfeit kingdom and brought decreation and death, was now going to be made and is being made all new and good again because God has incarnated himself and come to make everything that was wrong right again. They're living with this the whole time. And I've got to tell you, guys, get this. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Get it. Because if you don't live with this framework, you will live in every context and circumstance that comes along and wants to give you a little nudge or a push and you'll fall apart. Get that in you. Deep. Get it real deep. It's understanding this big framework of God that you and I live in that gives us meaning and then actually helps us to understand our challenge, our difficulty, our grief and our pain and the suffering that we have to walk through. Not that any of that is inspired by God, but God in the context of that in this story can give us purpose and meaning in the midst of difficulty, trial and suffering. Hear that. Please hear that. Go back on the SoundCloud and listen to that one phrase again and again and again all week, please. So Paul's writing to these guys. He says, we've not stopped praying for you. We're continually esteeming you to God. Thanksgiving. The qualifying love of God empowers the kingdom life of thanks living. I think perhaps one of the greatest realities of our cultural moment that we live in, that you and I live in, in our very material pursuit, fame-orientated, influenced culture is one of entitlement. And yet entitlement is the very throne that Jesus actually has asked us to give to him when we say he is the Lord. We're actually saying you're the one who's entitled to have influence to bring me into the fullness of you who you've called me to be, who you've made me to be as your good creation. Entitlement is the biggest thing that we deal with in our culture and our time. And it's that very thing that's fueled not just with a worldview of um, human philosophy, but it's also fueled by the gods of our age that it's into the context of that that Jesus comes and he says, I want to give you a gift where you can live life qualified by love 
not qualified for love, but by love. It's a gift. You see, you've got to remember this guy who's writing this, Paul. He is a guy who is a man of the heart set free. This was the guy who just years earlier was zealously pursuing down these Jesus people, stoning them, killing them, and asking for permission from the then-known structures of government to say, will you give me freedom, permission, and even the spiritual authority to go after these Jesus people and rid them from our culture? It's that guy. It's that guy who got an encounter with Jesus whose life has been now completely revolutionised Creation, decreation, recreation in the life of Paul. He's now come alive to who he really is in God. He's a free man. He's no longer impressed, trying to impress God by his religious behaviors and his good management of the law. He's no longer living to appease God. He's no longer living for the appeasement of others. He's no longer living for the feedback of others. He's living a completely free life under this goodness of God. It's been, and it's been this gift from God to Paul. It's been this gift to Paul. He's a man who's gone from being driven by, I want to qualify for the love of God, to a man who has been graced and gifted by the love of God. It's a huge shift. He's no longer living a behavior management program. He's living in a relationship that's alive to God, alive to God. And this is what he's, this is why he's praying for his people in Colossae. And this is why we pray for us here today, is that we would understand we are going to reject the cultural narrative of entitlement and all the power that goes with us, with that, in, with that worldview. We are going to reject that. And we're going to embrace entitling King Jesus to be just that, the king. And we can live in the wholeness of who he is, giving our life love, and from that we can live a whole and free life. One that's gifted. Man, life is such a gift. Every breath is a gift. The older I get, the more I realize that. Every moment I get to spend with my family is a gift. Every moment, like right now, just it's, you know, it's pretty full on right now for me as a dad watching two of my oldest kids, you know, spread their wings and take flight into the world, you know, and, and watching that take place. It's like, what a, I'm just realizing I've just had a gift for so long and now they're going to spread their wings. I don't know where they're going to end up with God. But all of a sudden, the value of that is such a gift of realization. God gifts our lives in so many ways. He's gifted you and me. This very place, this very community of Jesus people, you are a gift from God to me and I to you and us to each other. This is a gift from God. And we're not here trying to perform our acceptability and behave right and somehow earn the favor of each other we're not interested in that in this place if you want that go somewhere else go where they do religion that's not what we're on about here 
We're on about this fact that Jesus has gifted us this love from God that qualifies us and gives us purpose and meaning and life for, for God and for each other. It's this amazing reality. Hope rising in a people and in a little town that was once a bypass town looks like people who choose to live realising every moment is a gift from God. It's a gracious gift from God. It's also a moment where we live alive to God as people who have had our hearts set free. Born again. Paul talks about this in his amazing work in Romans 6. Go back and read Romans 6. He's this guy who has come alive to God. You, know what, you want to know what the benchmark of fruitful Christianity is? How alive are we to God? How alive are we to God? Go back and read Paul. He's a man who's been set free. He's a man that lives with this aliveness toward God in all that he's doing. You know, this little town of Colossae, these, these, this fledgling group of King Jesus people in, this, in that little region, no longer was that region going to be a bypass town, but it was a town where God was saying, I'm coming to set the hearts of people alive. Alive. Once we're dead, once we're slave to the gods, once we're slave to the philosophers, once we're slaves to Caesar himself, he was, they were slaves to all of that. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I'm setting you free from the power of all of that, the counterfeit nature of that, and I'm bringing you into my good and generous kingdom because I love you. And I'm making all things like they should have been in the beginning. You have been set free. I have been set free. I love the story of the, of when Jesus invaded that, um, that guy's life and he's a tax collector and, and then Jesus goes and has lunch with this guy and this tax collector, he, he, he was on the take. He was on the take. He was doing business, but he was on the take as well. And then all of a sudden he has lunch with Jesus and as a result of that one luncheon, his whole life is completely revolutionized by God's love for him. And he starts, to, he starts to divest of everything that he thinks important. I, I'm no longer giving this money entitlement to my life. I'm giving this money to the poor because that's what the kingdom of God does. And, and, he's, and he, made, he wanted to make restitution and he was, became a generous man. He didn't become a, you know, a tight-fisted man. He became an open-hearted man. The reality of King Jesus This thanks-living lifestyle is one where hearts are set free. The other is this, spend and save. Spend and save. Oh, my gosh. Every second ad that we listen to on the radio or see on the television or on every billboard, it's save, save, save. Save your money, put it in a bank. Save for your future, save for your retirement, save for your invest, invest, save, save, save. You'd think that our destiny was determined by our own ability to save. But we've rejected that as the people of King Jesus. We don't live under that. We don't live under the power of that. 
We don't live under the narrative of that. We live under the narrative of everything was good. A counterfeit kingdom came and broke in and brought destruction and death and mistrust and made everyone start running around trying to save, save, save because we can't trust anything or anyone for our own well-being. And yet God clearly says the cross is speaking in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ who now rules as king. He says, no, I've got the end of the story covered. Hello? Hello? He's got the end of your story covered. Hello? It's covered. The Father is already at work for your well-being and mine. Our God is not like the gods of this world. Our God stands above and beyond. And he's saying, don't spend, don't spend your whole life saving, saving, saving in the hope that it'll make it better because it won't. Give. God incarnated himself. The love of God gave himself as a gift for the world. It's into him and his generosity that God's invited us to be a people who live in a town not unlike Colossae that was once a bypassed town but to live in our town as a people who are going to spend our life for the sake of our region as we partner with King Jesus. The qualifying love of Jesus opens up our lives to being generous people, knowing, generous people today, knowing that our tomorrow is already cared for in God. I mean, come on. When, when are we going to kick this thing in the, you know, what's? Let's, like, let's pull the power down on that thing. Let's like unplug. Let's like just take the power out of it by shifting. It's a simple thing. It's a shift of an allegiance. It's Jesus is king. Jesus is good. Jesus has come to break the power of the counterfeit kingdoms of this world, of my life, and I get to live in his resurrection by faith. And I get to do it both right here, right now, and I get to do it in the fullness of the age to come, even as it's breaking in upon us right now. We get, we get to live a better, more powerful, more generous reality than the one this world is offering when we live with King Jesus as a lifestyle of thanks living. And lastly is um, it's... A, this, this reality of Jesus is an empowering one. I've got a photo up there of a couple of old blokes. Once upon a time, they all had hair. None of it was grey. But these guys, <clears throat> these guys that I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the old guys on the right, the two guys on the right, not the guy in the foreground. But, but, but these guys, <clears throat> these guys have had an encounter with Jesus, like way back, way back. I'm talking like maybe, well, it's a long time. 
It's a long time. But way back in their teens, they met with King Jesus. And they met with King Jesus and they allowed King Jesus to build his life in them where they were planted. And where they've been living in this same town that whole life. And some people would look at them and say, well, you haven't done much with your life. You haven't gone far. You're still living in the pine. Yeah, because that's where God planted them. Yeah, that's right. They're right where God wanted them. And for over 20-something years, these, these, old, these old fellas up here, they've been loving the young people of this region like crazy. They have seen generation and generation of children, young people, go through their life and their workplaces where they've had the opportunity to speak life and Jesus and influence into them with the kindness of God. This, this thanks-living lifestyle is one where God puts such a fundamental grip on you that he's like, I'm going to put you here. And you know what? You'll partner with it. You won't fight it. You'll partner with it because that's where God wants you. I love the story of these two blokes. You you should go and hear some more of the detail of it if you get the chance. Take him out for a coffee or Dave serves beer quite regularly down at the Crow and Arrow. Go and sit down at the bar and ask him for a cold drink and let him tell you his story. But it's a wonderful story of two blokes who met Jesus and have just chosen to be given to his kingdom being in their, in their very location, and they've just grafted in. Thanks living comes into you, and then it flows through you, this lifestyle of God. And, uh, and I, just, I just put those guys up there as a, as a simple illustration of what it looks like to follow King Jesus when he plants you somewhere. They're an inspiration to me. Is that Corey? Yeah, you well spotted. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy in the back. He's like way back there. That's Corey. They look the same, don't they? Yeah, they've both got grey in their beards. And under those hats, there's no hair going on. But look at the grin on them. Look at the grin on them. That's the fruit of King Jesus in their life. They're an inspiration of what it means to just let God plant you and live through you for the sake of a city, for the sake of a region of young people. Amazing. Thanks, living. Paul is praying for them and Paul's prayer for them is Paul's prayer for you and for me, that we as the people of King Jesus here in the Pine Rivers region, in the Moreton Bay region, here in the vineyard, here in our cultural moment where everyone's driving to be qualified socially, relationally, vocationally, striving and working to be qualified. It's our time in our cultural moment in our town where the king himself has stopped and said, I'm not bypassing this town. I'm not bypassing this town. I'm stopping and I'm bringing my kingdom to this town. And he's inviting you and me and everyone else that loves Jesus to get on board with what he's doing 
in his kingdom, in our town, in our time. Pine Rivers Vineyard, Pine Rivers, Pine Rivers the town is no longer a bypassed town. God has called Jesus people, is calling more Jesus people from across the nation and across the nations to be here at this very time, to be planted in this very cultural moment with this very group of Jesus people for the sake of a region, for the sake of a region and the dethronement of the powers of our region and the enthronement of Jesus as king. We are not a bypassed town. And I love confronting everyone that uses language that says somehow we are a bypassed town. I'm like, no, no, we're not. No, we're not. What do you mean we're not? It's because there's people like me that love Jesus in this town. And that means the king has a vested interest right here in this town. We're not overlooked. We're not bypassed. We are a people who are purposeful and purposeful and purpose-filled because the king has stopped to bring good news to our town. Thanks, living. Thanks, living. Have we come into a fresh revelation of the generous gift of the qualifying love of God in Jesus? Are our hearts coming alive to him and out from under behaviour management and into the reality of gift and grace? Are our lives a better story, grace-filled, overflowing and transforming with the generosity of God in all of those cultural spaces of vocation, of social acceptability, of relationship acceptability in our lives? Today, today, King Jesus has planted you here. He's planted you here. That's why you're here. And for some of you, he's planting you here for your life, your whole life. And some of you, he's planting here for a good number of years, like a good, a good solid season, like a good innings of cricket, a good, a good season, a good session. And for some of you, the Lord's planted here for a short time because he needs you to take what he's giving you here to plant somewhere else and take to bless another group of people. And you know what? I am complete, Nick and I, we are so okay with all of that. We are, there is no, there is no, you know, shut the doors, we've got to keep them in. No, no, no. It's a gift that you're turning up. It's a gift that you turn up. Our prayer is that you'd be empowered by King Jesus to take everything that you get from here and take it into your everyday life. But for some of you, you're here for life. And I love that because we get to do the long story together. For some of us, we get to do the story for a good season together, like a, you know, a really good season. And for some of us, 
We, just, we only get to do life together for a short time because what God has brought you here for, he needs you to take to somewhere else. And we're okay with all of that. We're okay with all of that. People of King Jesus, God's inviting you to partner with him in seeing his hope rising in our world and in particular our little bit of Pine Rivers as we live in the kingdom of God with Jesus. Why don't we stand and pray?